What's going on, everyone? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Realm of Existence podcast. Our purpose is to encourage you to go after all of your goals and dreams and to live your best life in this realm of existence. My name is Sharon W., and I am your host. So today, I want to talk about real estate and creating generational wealth in the Black community. And joining me for this conversation is a beautiful young lady, Alyssa Sanderson, who is a licensed Tennessee and Georgia realtor. So Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. How are you? I am wonderful. Um, again, I know that you are very busy. I know realtors in general are busy. So again, just thank you so much for being here. And um, I, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. So much value to add to so many people. Listen, I remember, I'll get into that a little more too when I met you, but I just remember when I met you, just your your passion for what you do. I was like, I have to have her on. I absolutely have to have her on. And so I'm, I'm just glad that you're here with me. So now everyone, just to provide a little background information about Alyssa, Alyssa is an exclusive member of the Greater Nashville Realtors Association and the Atlanta Board of Realtors Association. She is also affiliated with Arbitrage Real Brokers and Acquire Realty, a full service real estate brokerage, bringing you top of the line marketing and expert client representation. So Alyssa and I, we met back in August of this year when we both attended Invest Fest in Atlanta, which is hosted by Earn Your Leisure. And as some of you may know, Earn Your Leisure uh, highlights backstories of entrepreneurs, breaks down business models, and it examines the latest trends in finance and is headed by Troy Millings and Rashad Bilal. Now, back in podcast episode number eight, entitled The Sky is Not the Limit, because listen, it's really not. You can go as far as you want to go. I spoke about InvestFest in detail, so be sure to check that out. But just to give a little brief summary about InvestFest, it was an in-person experience to combine entrepreneurship, pop culture, and entertainment in a festival setting. Listen, it was all of that and more. The energy was high. The vibe was high. I had an amazing time. I met some amazing people. And Alyssa, I, I think you can vouch for that too, right? Yeah, InvestFest was something to remember. You know, if you weren't there and you only seen, you know, social media content, you know, you can feel the energy from those videos. But being there in person, it's just a totally different experience. You know, you learn from so many different industries, just being able to take notes and absorb different perspectives. It does help you with understanding which lane you want to be in in business and being able to scale that to the most high. So InvestFest. It it was it was just a vibe. It was a dream, a dream it come was. true. <laughs> now, was that your first time? It was my first time attending. Yes, yeah, that was my first time, oh, and definitely okay. I'm going back every year. Right, me too. I already listen. I already decided. I already marked. Now, hopefully, they have it the same time because yeah. I didn't go last year because it fell on the weekend of my dad's birthday. So when they changed it this year to earlier in August, I was like, okay, that's perfect. But yes, I I miss. I feel the same way. I am definitely going back next year. So yeah, but guys, Alyssa is right. If you can go to InvestFest, it, I encourage you to do so. I'm actually still going through my notes from August. <laughs> I took so many notes and I wanted to put them, you know, on my computer and I recorded some sessions just so I can go back and listen. And I'm, just, I'm still kind of breaking all that down to put in my notes, but it was definitely a lot of great information. It was absolutely epic. So as, as Alyssa mentioned, it was just a range of different topics um, at InvestFest from financial planning and business to preparing for a recession. And of course, a fireside chat uh, about real estate and much, much more. And of course, for our conversation today, I want to focus on real estate. So Alyssa, uh, to get started on what with what I'm sure will be an amazing conversation, can you please tell the listeners a little more about you, your background, 
uh, why you chose a career in real estate, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely. That's so many great questions. Um, you know, my background ranged from um, credit repair originally, because when I was 18, I actually had my own credit repair business. Um, I was partnered with the company where I was able to provide these services. And, you know, I got into credit repair because at a young age, when I was 16, I already had credit cards just because oh, wow. of, yeah, my parents, um, we were more so money hungry at that time. And I didn't really understand credit cards. I just thought it was free money at that time. So, you know, getting those credit cards, I ended up, you know, basically neglecting them. And once I got to the point of turning 18, I wanted other people to understand the importance of financial literacy and just how important it is in our communities, because there are so many people that have similar stories like mine that, you know, were derived from that type of background. And so I did that for about three years. And I realized that I wasn't more so um, that I felt like that wasn't really my end goal. You know, that wasn't my ultimate passion. You know, I felt like I had a bigger purpose where I can make a bigger impact in the community. Right. And, you know, I got introduced to real estate at the age of seven. You know, my wow. parents, we had this tradition where we would go look at open houses every single Sunday. And I just fell in love with how real estate looked. I love the architecture. I love seeing homes being built from the ground up. I don't know. It was something that was just it was very interesting to me growing up. And so real estate was always something that was there, but I never thought I could personally pursue it. Um, just because of the simple fact, when I would see realtors, I always seen people that were older. I never seen really any young realtors, anybody right. that could get in real estate at a young age. So I just assumed that I couldn't get into it until I was older. But after having my credit repair business and shadowing this one realtor that I was sending my credit clients to, you know, I realized that real estate is so complex, but it's also very rewarding. Right. And so I ended up doing some research on my own to see how old you had to be to be a realtor. And when I seen that you could be 18, I was like, oh, bet, you know, I just <laughs> went ahead, got my license and you know, I started basically my career in real estate. And so now I help first time home buyers, relocation clients. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, I'm licensed in Georgia now as well. So, you know, I help all of those home buyers. And yeah, now I also specialize in new construction. Nice. That is awesome that your your parents would drive you around, you said on Sundays and just look at, at homes and different developments and, and neighborhoods. Yeah, That's we awesome. would actually go into the homes as well. Like we would go into oh, open wow. houses. Yeah, we would we would go into new construction homes because those homes were always open. You know, they never really locked the doors. Right, so we would right. go inside the houses. Yeah, we would we would go deep diving into these homes. That is awesome. Wow. That that sounds like an awesome experience. Like I, I like to do that now as an adult, but I never, you know, did that as a child. <laughs> so that that sounds awesome. So I can really see how your love of real estate kind of developed just from seeing that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that's great. Now, listen, so when I first met you, I, I just I felt drawn to you because I, I just you had such a pleasant and bubbly personality. Right. And I just really liked your your vibe and your energy. And it's like, 
you know how sometimes you just meet someone and like their vibe, their energy, it kind of matches yours and you're just like, hey, I like her, you know? And yet you just have this genuine excitement um, and enthusiasm and passion really for helping people. And that's just exuded through just, you know, talking to you at InvestFest and um, even, I, I, you know, I visited your website and you just really just have this passion for helping people. So where, where does that passion come from? Like, would you say it comes from your parents or like you said, when you got your first credit card and then seeing what it did to your credit, you know, where does that come from? So that's actually an amazing question because, you know, my passion for helping people came from a unique space. Um, growing up, I was always the type of person to be an, an a observer. You know, I observed so many different people and, you know, I was a very introverted person back then, you know, um, and still internally, I do have that sense of introvertedness there, but nobody really thinks, you know, that I'm introverted at all. But I do have that tendency where I observe so many people. And back then, I really that so many people would get taken advantage of from other people or some people would be manipulated by people or you know I would see people that would genuinely ask people for help and they do them completely wrong you know and being able to grow up in that space where I would watch people you know try to elevate try to get to a a different level in their lives and you know just to be done wrong just to be you know straight away or you know completely manipulated that ended up lighting a fire inside me where you know, even if it's not career based where I help people, I want to help people personally. You know, if I could nice. add value to people in their lives, whether, you know, give them advice or help them get through a certain space that they may be in right now, or even if they want to, you know, build their real estate business, you know, whether it's career based or personal based, I want to be able to add value to everybody that I touch, that I'm around because, you know, there aren't people that are genuinely authentically wanting to help people. And I didn't experience that until I got older and I was seeking for that same help and people, you know, was treating me the same way. And so I made it, I made it more so a duty, if not an obligation to help others and add value wherever I can. And, you know, that's where it really derived from was, you know, in childhood, witnessing that growing up, I ended up being that person that other people needed, you know, when they were looking for help. So, yeah, just derived from my childhood mainly. That's awesome. I mean, because, you know, we've all heard the saying, it's like the more you're a blessing to others, the more you yourself are yes. blessed. And just the fact that you want to help people that in turn helps you. Yes. So I, I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now as you as you built your career, you know, over the years in real estate um, and, you, you know, like you said, you, you got your your license when you found out you could do so at 18. Um, so you've been in your career and uh, what obstacles have you faced uh, throughout this journey that you've been on and, and how have you overcome them? So I've actually came across numerous obstacles in this space. And, you know, one of the biggest ones that I did experience was, 
being impatient. You know, when people get into real estate, they instantly get into it for the money. And even though I was passionate about real estate, I was also at a job that I didn't love. And so I was quick to try to get a deal closed because I wanted to get out of this job so bad. And so I would rush my processes. I would rush my, um, you know, my systems. I would rush to do certain things. And when I first got into real estate, um, I knew dealing with investors and wholesalers, that was quick money because they just buy properties on the spot. And that's right. so so what I thought, at least when I first got into it. And so I was mainly working with them. And I quickly realized that, you know, in this space, when when you're impatient, you are more so subjected to giving more than what you receive. And I didn't realize that until I was already neck deep into dealing with investors and, you know, realizing that they will have you ripping and running. If you're so quick to chase a dollar, they will have you wasting all of your time just to not in turn get, you know, a closing or just in turn not to actually get a deal with them. And I never realized that people will do you like that until you are in that situation. And so when you're in real estate, that's one of the biggest things that you can't do is be impatient and rush your processes. Because another thing is also where the market that I'm in, I'm in Nashville. So the market that I'm in, there isn't a lot of people that look like me that are in this market that are doing what I'm doing. And alongside that, there isn't people that look like me and they're not my same age. So those obstacles ended up becoming a problem that I didn't realize was a problem until, you know, I get out there into the field in these real estate streets and the people that have been in real estate for 20 years are suddenly threatened by you because now you're a new fresh face. You're a new fresh force to be reckoned with. And people will quickly downgrade you and speak in a condescending way about you in this space if you are not careful because the one of the main things that I had to learn in order to overcome all of these obstacles is that you have to be immersed in your field you have to know your processes you have to know what you're doing like it's the back of your hand and so I had to quickly learn that knowledge is the fastest way to gain respect in this field. If you have knowledge, if you're consistently educating yourself on the market, if you're consistently educating yourself about the core values that is around your business and what you want to educate to people, then people will then realize that you're just not a pretty face. You know, you actually know what you're talking about. You actually walk in what you're speaking and, you know, you actually have that confidence that what you're saying is true. In fact, the data, you know, and so I had to quickly learn that knowledge is the fastest way to add value. And once you realize that and wrap your mindset around that, then the obstacles that you do face in this industry, you know, whether you're young or whether you're ready to get out there or whether, you know, you're a minority in a new space, 
you know, if you really take the time to understand your craft and you execute it at a high level, then any obstacle that comes your way, you can instantly have a solution for it because you would have then adapted a solution-based mindset. So I love that solution-based mindset. Yep. Mm-hmm. People will present problems and it's like, okay, well, what's the solution? <laughs> exactly. I love that. And you know what? I'm glad that you mentioned too, like um, how older people or those, well, not even older, but just, well, yeah, it is older, but those that have more, I guess, seniority or time in a particular industry, when someone new and younger comes in, a lot of times, unfortunately, that is the case, like you said, that they're threatened. And I even experienced that, you know, in law, like, you know, even being a lawyer, I wasn't like the youngest lawyer when I started, because uh, I didn't go right to law school from college. But I was new, still young, in the sense that there were lawyers that had 10, 20, 30 plus years over me. And it's like, that intimidation factor, like you come in and you're looking at things with a fresh set of eyes. And you didn't always feel that help, kind mm-hmm. of. And so one of those obstacles was just kind of, okay, well, having to navigate that and go around and learn. Because like you said, knowledge really is the fastest way to gain respect. And once they see that you know what you're doing, like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and then they're more willing to, I guess, be there or help you in, in a sense. So I, I'm uh, glad that you mentioned that. So now let me ask you this. I read on your website uh, that for future, for both future rather and um, future home buyers and home sellers, you offer what's called a one-on-one buying or selling consultation. Now, what exactly does that entail? So that's actually a great question. So when it comes to the one-on-one consultations, whether you are a buyer or you're a seller, I usually go in detail about what is it that you're currently wanting to work towards, whether you're wanting to buy a home or, you know, you're wanting to list and sell your home. I try to figure out what is the end goal. And then I see where they are at currently within that process. You know, for buyers, I would ask if they've gotten pre-approved. And then if it's for sellers, I usually ask, okay, what are the updates that you have done? Have you done any renovations? So I try to see where they're currently at within that process of reaching that goal. And then from there, that's when I then strategize a plan with them about how we can be able to get from where they're at currently to the closing table. And so I then map that out and um, I then basically see exactly what they're looking to do, their criteria, you know, what is the different stipulations that they're wanting to add in order to get to that space of, you know, to the closing table. And then from there, we just basically execute. So that's practically it. That's awesome. Now, can you just talk a little more about what you just mentioned? You said like for the home buyer, um, you ask about a pre-approval. Um, of course, they spoke about that um, in, in a little more detail at InvestFest when um, I think Matthew Garland, MG, the mortgage guy, of course, when he was on the panel, uh, the real estate fireside chat panel. And could, But can you just go a little more into detail about what the pre-approval is and why that's important to have? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So the pre-approval is very, very paramount when it comes to your home buying process, just because even though the market is starting to shift to where it's not that much competition, 
Um, it's so vital to have a pre-approval because for one, whenever you do get one, it makes it easier for you to submit an offer and it makes it more prone for the seller to want to accept your offer because you have already secured financing. And that's mainly what the pre-approval is. It's where you go to your real estate professional's preferred lender and they actually go ahead and run your tax returns, run your W-2s if you don't have tax returns, um, being able to pull your pay stubs, look at your bank statements. They basically go through the whole process um, of as if you were already securing the loan. And then at the end, that's when they actually come up with an estimate that reflects, okay, this is what the client is pre-approved for. This is the type of financing that they're getting. This is the type of interest, uh, interest rate that they will have. And they will have all of these different numbers mapped out for the client. So they can be able to understand this is max how much they can afford. And this is max how much they can be able to spend on a home. Because, you know, the main thing is that when it comes to a pre-approval, you want to be able to make sure that, you know, whatever max you can afford is what you can sustain. And a lot right. of people, they don't actually think about that because they're like, okay, great. I have um, a $500,000 pre-approval, but can you afford the mortgage payment that comes with that? You know, exactly. alongside the electrical, alongside the water, alongside if you have an HOA, once you do attain, you know, a home, if you're wanting to be in a gated community or if you're wanting to be, um, you know, wherever, even if it's on land, you know, what is the caveats that comes with those properties that you are looking for and make sure that the number that you have outlined alongside the mortgage payment is something that you can sustain. Um, because a lot of people, they are in a season where they are house rich and cash poor. Absolutely. And, you know, when the whole goal is to be house rich and cash rich, you know, you want to be able to have both. You want to have an amazing house, but you also still want to be able to have money in the bank for if you're now trying to work towards getting an investment property, or, you know, if eventually you want to be able to, um, you know, rent out your space or, you know, whatever the case may be, take out a HELOC on your property and start doing renovations, you know, customizing the home. So, you know, the pre-approval is so paramount because it outlines all of those important numbers for the client so they can be able to know this is what they need to spend. And once they bring that back to their real estate professional, then we can be able to act accordingly to that pre-approval and start the process from there when it comes to home shopping. That was such an amazing breakdown. <laughs> that, that was really an amazing breakdown and definition of just the importance of a um, pre-approval. Because I remember when I, I purchased my condo two years ago, and that was one of the first things I did was got a pre-approval. Because I wanted to know, well, okay, I don't want to look at these houses that cost like $600,000 and then, you know, the bank is not going to lend me anywhere near, mm -hmm. you know, that, but, and, and like you said, even though you may get this pre-approval amount, you still need to look at what you can afford. So like my pre-approval was for a specific amount and I'm like, okay, that's great. But if I were to get a house that costs that much, can I really afford the mortgage and be comfortable? Right. You know, knowing I still have student loans and I had a car payment and, you know, I still have to eat. 
you know, things like that. And so you're, you're so right about that. So yeah, thank you for that definition that you, I haven't really heard anybody go into as much detail and, and just the simplicity of, of the definition as you have. So that will help a lot of people. So thank you for that. Of course. So now I also read on your website, uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, that you're a partner at Fix Odin Consulting. Um, I, I thought you talked about that earlier a little bit with the credit repair. Is that what that is? So or is that Vix something Odin, a little different? Yes. So Vix Odin Consulting is actually a real estate finance and credit firm. Um, oh, nice. okay. And so with this firm, she actually, because she's woman owned and minority owned. Okay. Um, and with her firm, she actually helps people that are, that have credit problems or creditly challenged, um, even people that have financial issues, get into a space where they can be able to um, then purchase property once their credit and their finances are back in order. They're then in a position to purchase property, whether that is their first home, their secondary home, investment properties. Um, and so she mainly is, she she's just such a phenomenal person because with her company, um, her vision is to be able to close the wealth gap that's within our communities. Nice. Because as you know, in our in our black community, we're still at the 40% mark when it comes to ownership. And wow. then, you know, versus our white counterparts, they are more so in the 70% range. And so we're still lagging by a lot. And, right. you know, her vision was to be able to provide a solution for people that do want to own where they live or people that do want to increase their wealth through real estate, um, but don't have the credit worthiness to do so. She actually comes in and helps them with getting prepared, getting their credit restored, helping them with their finances, you know, helping them with save uh, savings so they can then be able to come out of her program and actually then own some property. Um, so, yeah, I decided to partner with her because I seen her vision from the inception of her company. You know, she is just a phenomenal, phenomenal human being. And she done became one of my best friends um, slash business partners. And, you know, I just... I just really am inspired by her vision because she's been having this vision for a very long time. And, you know, she plans on taking her company nationwide because she wants to help so many people with closing this gap. Because if it if there can just be one person that can, you know, add value in a space of where people can increase their finances, where they can pivot and shift in a space where they can then have money to do so because a lot of people that are in our community the main things that's stopping us is credit and money Absolutely. you know if we had both then we would have been past 70 percent when it comes to the wealth gap and the ownership gap so for her to be able to have this company and you know really being able to provide that solution because I, another thing that actually just triggered my memory that we learned at invest fest from tyler perry was that you know you need to find the need in our community and feel it absolutely and so she found that need and so now she's feeling it with her knowledge, with the value, you know, with all of these different creative parts about her. And really, she has been making a huge effort with closing this gap because I have referred dozens and dozens of clients 
to her program and each one of them have came out as homeowners. So, you oh, know, I love her, it. I love to hear that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So her system works. She is dedicated to her craft. She is dedicated to her company and the people um, that come in it. And so, you know, I'm just glad to be a partner of that and, you know, be a part of the vision that she's creating in the movement that she's having um, on our communities because she's making a big impact. I love that. Love that. And I like that you said how, you know, that was her vision. Because um, if you will recall at InvestFest when Tyler Perry also said, if the vision was placed on your heart and it keeps coming back, it was placed there for a reason. Mm-hmm. That it That's internally, well, you know, whether you, whatever your religious background is, spirituality, whether it's God, Buddha, Allah, whoever, it's someone outside of you putting that on your heart, just telling you this is what you're supposed to be doing. And so I'm really glad to hear that she um, is going after her vision. And it sounds like she helps a lot of people. So that is amazing. Now, another thing that you mentioned, too, which you're so right about, which is this, you know, this wealth gap um, at InvestFest during the Fireside Real Estate um, panel, which, of course, included Craig Livingston, who is the managing partner at Exact Capital, and R. Donahue Peebles, who is a billionaire real estate entrepreneur and is the chairman and CEO of the Peebles Corporation. They talked a lot about, you know, that black people, minorities, and especially minority women have, we've been left out of those wealth conversations, you know, hence, you know, this wealth gap that we now have, we've been left out of access to funding and, you know, and building wealth. And Mr. Peoples went on to say how we have to aggressively identify black people and just black women in general for opportunities. Now, it's discouraging when you look at the wealth gap, because then I question, well, how can we really change that narrative? For those that look like you, look like me, you know, that want to get into real estate, but may not quite know where to start. So what tips or advice would you have for those that they want to get into real estate, you know, particularly as an investor to start building, you know, that wealth, but they don't really know where to start or they may not have the funding. You know, would you suggest that they just wait until they have more money or their alternative ways? Because we always hear, oh, well, there's alternative ways. There's always a way to, you know, get the funding that you need to get into real estate. So so what advice or tips would you have? Absolutely. That's actually a phenomenal question because I actually get this question a lot from a lot of individuals that want to invest in real estate. And so the number one thing that I would always say is at least have some type of skin in the game if you can. You know, you don't want to come into investing and not really have any capital because there are ways that you can be able to purchase a property um, with at least no down payment, but you still have to cover your closing costs. You know, you still have to cover your inspection, your appraisal, you know, all those different things. If you decide to do those type of due diligence um, things, then, you know, you still need capital. So I would say you still need some skin in the game, no matter what. Um, Just because if your plan A doesn't work, you need to have a plan B in place. Um, And of course, with that plan B, it might also require capital as well. So I would say still have some skin in the game if you can. Um, But there are numerous ways to invest. You know, if you are somebody that doesn't mind house hacking, you know, and basically house hacking for the people that don't know is you are living in the residence that you are looking to put a tenant in. You know, if you bought a four bedroom property, um, 
and you were wanting to live in it, you could be able to rent out the other three rooms if you wanted, um, or you could be able to Airbnb each of those rooms. That's also considered house hacking. Um, or if you buy a duplex and you live in one side of it and rent out the other side, that would still be considered house hacking. Um, and if you are looking to build wealth in that way first, as far as to start off with, then you can also get what is called a FHA 203k loan. Um, and this loan gives you the luxury of being able to purchase the home with 3.5% down. Um, now, don't quote me on this just because I'm not a lender, but um, I do know at least some of the different loan products that you can utilize for investing. Um, this also gives you the funding to renovate that space. If you're looking to buy a property, renovate it, and then put in a tenant or Airbnb it out, FHA 203K will be able to give you that luxury of providing the funding to you up front. And it allows nice. you to renovate that space and you know be able to then rent it out for market value or for more. Um. And then also another way is that um, because a lot of people, they're wanting to buy their primary residence first and then the investment property, which there's definitely nothing wrong with that. You can for sure do that. Um, but if you're wanting to get the most out of your money, then I would suggest buying the investment property first where okay. you can be able to leverage if you if, they, if you'll be a first time buyer doing this you can be able to leverage maybe a down payment assistance program and still be able to alleviate that down payment live in that property for a year and then buy the main residence that you're looking to have um through a conventional loan put 5% down and then move out of that first initial house that you had and then boom, you can be able to Airbnb that whole house, or you can be able to then put tenants in the space that you were living in. If this is a duplex, now you can be able to have two properties or not two properties, but two units that you're renting out for two grand a month. And now nice. you done doubled your revenue and increased your cash flow. And then on top of that, depending on how much equity the property has appreciated over that year, you could potentially take out a HELOC and use that to purchase your second property. And then that can be your down payment. Or if you have already saved that money, then you can just be able to have that second property, use that HELOC and purchase a third property and put tenants in there. You know, it's just, you. you that's nice. how you really multiply in real estate. So it just all initially depends on, you know, what your, what your plan is. You know, if you're wanting the house hack, you can go that route. If you're wanting the fix and flip, then it might look a little differently um, right. just because you won't initially be living in the space. So you can't utilize FHA because FHA, you have to have it as your primary residence for a year. So then you might have to look at um, getting a conventional loan. Conventional, you put down 5%. Um, sometimes for investment properties, you know, that would be 10 to 15%. Okay. And being able to have that, have that for a year, have those tenants in there for as long as you want. A year later, take out the equity, uh, get a HELOC, and then boom, purchase your second property. You know, you can do it that way. Um, but either way, you still all in all need to have skin in the game. Because if you 
if you genuinely want to get into real estate and you want to do it right, you right. really want to have the money to do so. Or you can always get a business partner that has all the capital and they can be able to provide that funding for you. And that can also be another way that you can get into real estate without exactly having thousands of dollars. Um, but, nice. you know, of course, the risk with that is, you know, just depending on what type of cut they're going to want from it, you exactly, know, yeah. to work out that negotiation, because that means that now all of your profits, you're splitting with somebody else. So if you're not really in the business to want to split something or, you know, you're not ready to have a business partner that you can split profits with, then I would just suggest the first route and, you know, house hacking or getting a conventional loan for your investment property. That is awesome. That is amazing information. You know, on that last part about partnering with someone, you know, the lawyer and me, I'm like, listen, everything, please put it in writing and let me give my disclaimer. You know, this is not me representing anyone. And it's for educational and entertainment purposes only, but I, it would behoove you to have a formal agreement if that's a route that you choose to go to. But Alyssa just gave a lot of amazing information and there are multiple ways to, to get into real estate and you just really have to know what's best for you, you know? And um, yeah, but I know that it can be intimidating. Like, honestly, with me, I want to get into real estate investing more myself and you know, truth be told, I, it's intimidating. Like I bought my condo first, which I live in. And then when I look back, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have done the investment property first. But, you know, it is what it is now. But um, so I'm still learning, you know, as I go along too. But yeah, the information that you just provided was amazing. So thank you for that. Absolutely. So now as a Black woman in real estate again yourself, was there anything in particular that um, stuck out to you during the real estate investment panel or anything that you wanted to add that you wanted to talk about? Yes. So there was so many different things that I learned on that panel and especially the woman's panel with Kiana Watson, you yes. know, she just gave a wealth of information. And so one of the things that I did learn from her that I ended up implementing after I left InvestFest was you need to learn how to pivot from the inception of your business and that helps you grow because what gets you to six figures isn't what's going to get you to seven. And what gets you to seven isn't what's going to get you to eight. Absolutely. So every time you hit a new level in your business, you want to then be able to see how you can pivot in order to scale higher. Because for each level, it's going to require a different you. It's going to require a different skill set. And it's definitely going to require a different strategy. So that was one of the things that I learned um, on that one. And then also another one that I learned, and this one is actually just from Tyler Perry because he dropped a lot of nuggets. Yes, he, he was did. saying, um, build from where you're going and not where you are. And that really stuck to me because a lot of people, especially me, when I first started my business, I was... I wasn't really having that vision of where I was going. I was looking at where I am now. You know, how right. can I build a six-figure business when I'm working at a job? You know, I'm working at corporate America. You know, I couldn't visualize that. But then after really realizing it's not about where you are, it's about where you're headed, you know, where you're Absolutely. going. Yeah, how can you get to that space of where you're going? 
And you have to have that vision because if you don't have the vision, then you won't have the mindset. And if you definitely don't have the mindset, you can't have the vision. So a lot of people think that the one percenters or the people that have reached an ultimate level of success, they think it's mainly off a skill set, but it really was rooted in mindset. You know, a lot like mostly about 80% of your business is going to require a different mindset because it's hard to start a business and it's hard to make it to six figures. It's hard to make it to seven figures, but if you really can't see where you're going, then you're not, you're never going to make it there. You know, you're always going to worry about, well, this is where I'm at. Well, this is what is going on in my life. This is what is currently happening. And, you know, depending on what you got going on, you know, that that might be valid. That might be true. But if you are planning to scale a big business, Mm -hmm. then thinking about where you're at now is not going to get you where you want to be. You have to think about where you're wanting to be and how you can get there. And if you need help, don't be afraid to ask for help because I was one of those people that felt like I could get there on my own, but you will never make it to the top without help. You just can't. You're one person and the business that you're trying to build is going to require so many different things. It's just your business is going to break off into chains of different skill sets that you have to handle your back end systems. It's going to be a lot and you can't handle all of that as you grow. Cause once your business gets to a certain level, you have to start having a support team. You have to start having a client care manager. You have to start having a transaction coordinator. You have to start having all these different things in place because if you're wanting to build to another phase, you have to focus on that. You have to focus on your creative genius. Focus on what you can do as the CEO and how you can continuously build and outsource everything else that you don't like to do. And that's one of the biggest things I learned is that you're not going to get to the top by yourself. You have to start outsourcing and duplicating. That is the biggest way to create wealth. And Another thing, um, another nugget that I actually learned is you need to understand the power of debt. A lot of people think about debt and they're like, oh, um, I have too much money I got to pay back or, oh, that is going (laughs) to be bad for me. Debt is the bad juju. It's it's, it's the devil's debt. Like, no, (laughs) you know, debt is something that is actually very powerful when you when you have the discipline to leverage it. You know, and a lot of people, again, it all derives from mindset. You know, you have to actually see how debt can work for you and how you can utilize debt in order to get to your next level. Because when you see these billionaires, you don't think that they were consistently using their money in order to build those billions, right? And, you know, they didn't use strictly all their money a lot of these millionaires borrowed from these banks. A lot of them borrowed from these private lenders in order to fund their projects. And then they ended up making five times more than what they owed on their debt. So you have to think about why are you borrowing the debt? How are you leveraging the debt? And what's the profit that you're going to receive after getting this debt? 
And you have to have that plan all strategically mapped out. And so debt is going to be a very important aspect to your business as you start scaling up. So I want people to know all these different factors when building their business is, you know, outsource what you can and focus on your creative genius, building your business, what makes you happy and fulfilled, and then understand exactly where you're going not where you are currently at and then understand the power of debt as you're scaling up in your business because all these things are going to be vital to your success that was awesome <laughs> listen that was awesome look you taught me a few things right there too and i'm glad that you said about how we always want to do everything ourselves like for me i can admit it like i it, it's about control it's like where you feel that mm-hmm. no one can do it as good as you And especially when it's your baby, your business or something that you're building. So like with me, you know, even though I'm a lawyer, but I'm kind of, you know, starting to transition out of that in the traditional sense. And um, because writing is my passion. And as I'm working on, we're actually working on a book of poetry and a a book of fiction. And I wanted to do everything. I'm like, I'm writing it. Then I'm like, well, I could try to do the illustrations. Listen, I never illustrated anything a day in my life. (laughs) And I'm like, why am I doing that? And then I was like, well, maybe I'll do self-publishing too, instead of just Looking at a publishing company who is good at what they do, like that's what they do, you know, and maybe they can do other things that I haven't even thought of. And so I'm actually glad that you brought that up because that's actually hard. I know it's hard for me and I'm sure it's hard for some other people just to kind of know that you cannot do everything. And as your business gets bigger and bigger, which that's the goal, you're going to have to outsource. So Tyler Perry does not do everything. You know how many people work for him? <laughs> like he has a whole team of people. And so I'm, I'm actually just, I'm just glad that you brought that up. But yeah, that was great information. So thank you for that. So now Alyssa, what is next for the Alyssa Sanderson? What is next for you in the world of real estate and beyond? Like where, where do you see yourself in the next, let's say three to five years? Yes. So actually, I am working on getting licensed in another state. Okay. Um, this will be my third license. Yes. Because, you know, I, I've i really thought about how can I make a big impact? And I've touched a lot of people that has been on the East Coast. You know, I've had a big impact in, you know, my community in Tennessee, Georgia. And so now I'm working on getting my third license in North Carolina. Nice. Um, and so that's that's something up and coming that I'm very excited about. But also I am working on building my own development company as well. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I love because, it. Yeah, because I love, love, love new construction. And it's something about a house being built from the ground up right. that's just, you know, it's very sacred because of the simple fact with a new home, there is no prior energy. So that family Mm -hmm. that buys it, you know, they're going to be the first ones to touch it. They're going to be the first ones to build, um, you know, build energy in there. They're going to build memories. You know, that house is going to experience the first of everything with that homeowner. And so it's honestly like God's work to me because there's so many people and, you know, there's so many companies that are building houses, but there's always a gap between affordability and luxury. 
you know, there's True. never really a, a happy median. And so my goal is to really bring affordability and luxury together and create a type of community where people can be proud of the homes they buy. You know, the home looks like it's a million dollar home, but it's for the average American, you know, the average consumer. And, you know, I want to build those type of subdivisions and communities where, you know, people can just have that nice luxury look to their home, but they didn't pay, you know, a million dollars for it. You know, they were nice. able to still stay in their budget. They were able to still stay in the means of where they can still afford life, you know, have their own lifestyle, but still have something that's elegant, have something that's beautiful, something that, you know, they just walk in and feel proud of every single day. And so I want to build those type of communities for our people, because for one, we deserve it. And two, I mean, there there just isn't really people doing that nowadays. You know, people are just tearing down native neighborhoods, you know, people that have lived in certain neighborhoods their whole life just to get pushed out from these builders or these investors that are tearing down the old historical homes and building these tall houses that cost 800 grand, a million dollars. And now the people that are that originally lived in those neighborhoods now have to live in, you know, unfortunate neighborhoods that are not safe for their children. And, you know, people don't deserve to get pushed out of where they came from if they Absolutely. don't want to. So, you know, I made it a mission of mine where I want to start building certain communities, building lifestyles for people where, you know, they can still have that affordability factor, but still have that luxury looking feeling where, you know, now they went from an unfortunate neighborhood to being in one of the nicest affordable neighborhoods that, you know, is in the whole city. So, you know, that's my, that feel like that's like God's work for me. I love that. That is awesome. But yeah, that happens. I know that's happening in Philly a lot too, where, yeah, you have people that have been in their neighborhood for 30, 40, 50 years, and now they're being pushed out because they can no longer afford, you know, to live there because these developers are coming in. And like you said, they're building homes that are now seven, 800,000. And you may have someone that's living on social, social security or, you know, whatever else they can't afford a home that's $800,000. Exactly. And so like, I, I think that's awesome that you mentioned. And I'm actually glad you mentioned that too. As you mentioned it, I, I smiled because I, I have a view of my vision board as I'm talking to you. And on my vision board, I have real estate investor and real estate developer. And honestly, I don't know anything about it. I just, it came to me one day and I was like, I think I want to explore that even though, I mean, I have much research to do on what would even go into that. But as soon as you said that, I looked over and I, that was the first thing I saw. So <laughs> I thought that was interesting. But no, that that sounds amazing. And look, I already know you're going to do it. I already know you're going to do it. Your, your personality, just your passion for helping others. I already know it's going to be amazing. So, all right, there you have it, Alyssa. This has been an amazing conversation. Again, I know you are busy. So thank you again for just taking the time to speak with me today and just for dropping all that amazing knowledge that you have. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. You know, this actually has been an amazing time with you being in this space. Oh, thank and, you. You know, the people that do listen to this podcast, um, I hope that they feel inspired. I hope they feel like they have, you know, the tools that they need in order to execute whatever that looks like in the real estate space. And being able to know that, 
you know, if you are young, if you're looking to be an investor or, you know, whatever you're wanting to do in real estate, just know that you can do it young. As long as you take it serious, as long as you know this is your passion and you're not in it for the money, you know, and you actually immerse yourself in knowledge and, you know, being able to add value to people, then either way, there it's going to be inevitable that you'll be successful in this industry. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I mean, and like we mentioned before, you know, if this vision has been placed on your heart, honestly, it was placed there for a reason. And we, you know, even as Alyssa mentioned, it's like it all starts with your mind, your mindset. You have to approach it with the no limitations mind. You have to approach it with that, just knowing that, yeah, there may be obstacles at times and that's fine, but you're going to still get it done. And if that's your mindset, there's really nothing stopping you. So Alyssa, before we wrap up, uh, please let everyone know where they can follow you as well as your um, what your website is. Yes. So I'm on Instagram. You can be able to follow me at the Alyssa Sanderson. Um, I'm also on Facebook, just Alyssa Sanderson. Um, you can also discover me on my website at www.alyssasanderson.com. Um, you can be able to connect with me on there. Um, I share a whole lot of footage of my personal life, business, you know, everything that's going on in between. And yeah, I'm looking forward to connecting with everybody soon. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So everyone, uh, a link to Alyssa's website will be posted on the podcast page on my website, uh, www.thisrealmofexistence.com. And her social media pages will also be posted. So be sure to follow her. Alyssa, as you can tell, is an amazing, amazing woman. She has a depth, a breadth, and a just an overall just amazing background. Um, she knows what she's talking about. She is highly intelligent and well-versed in the real estate um, community. And I'm sure that she can help you with any real estate needs that you have. And so if you're, especially if you're in the Nashville area or Georgia, like she said, she is um, part of both of those state real estate boards. Definitely reach out to her because you would not regret it. I'm sure you would. All right, guys. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of This Realm of Existence podcast. And again, until next time, remember, you are a magical being who can achieve whatever you set out to achieve. So I need you to go live your best life in this realm of existence. And as always, I wish you peace, love, joy, and prosperity. Bye, guys.